a joke I stole from someone else. This was months ago about being in a disused uh, Saga call centre because it was a, a vaccination hub and just taking a picture going, this convention sucks. Uh, uh, very funny. Because it's very, it's very like Comic-Con-esque as a building. Just like the worst convention ever, there's no merch. Where are the body pillows? This convention's full of pricks. Uh, I have a renovation... Renovation? Rele- Fucking re- renovating oh. elevation. I have a renovation of a story that I told last week about me throwing up into a cocktail pitcher. Cocktail mug. It wasn't a cocktail pitcher. I've been later informed that it was a cocktail shaker. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which is far less impressive because they are smaller, but also a cocktail shaker. Does it mean that someone could have put the little thing in the air, in the top so they can get all the bits out? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, it would have mostly just been beer and crisps. And serving just... you the smoothest of sick. Oh, just like... Any, anyway. I want a smoothie. <laughs> I don't know why I said it in Pennywise's voice. <laughs> Hello, Georgie. Would you like a vomit smoothie? Delicious. I only discovered this morning that it's the fucking Eurovision tonight. There you go. And I didn't know that. And and I had stuff pre-planned to remind friends that we needed to hang out tonight. Everyone else has already agreed to do something else with themselves. Already agreed to do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a viable form of something. But yes. Yeah. Nothing is important. Also, in discovering that, My Chemical Romance are back together. What? In the same vein. Yeah, I was informed of this through a fairly classic meme format. Vince <laughs> McMahon or whatever, the five panel one. <laughs> through that, that's how I know. What, them arguing at each other? No, 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 no. no. That, they're not wrestlers. The ones throwing chairs at each other. They are um, they work in like a, uh, a custom shop. They made like bikes and stuff. They look like wrestlers. I thought they were like wrestling. That's why the chair happened. <laughs> Don't be racist. They're white Americans. I have found a crab to start the thread off. I felt very summery. I'm wearing a Jazz Crabs t-shirt. Not that anyone except you can see it. Because it's very summery and it kind of lends itself to sort of yayness. I found the most crabulous crab, as I'm calling it. It's crabulous. Crabulous. Look at that. That's a lovely. Good, that's a, that's a... I don't know if it's photoshopped, but that still looks lovely. Almost a balm for the the horrible Elon Musk crab the other week. It is a lovely crab. Yeah, we watched a film the other day which wasn't great. It's called The Shallows. Uh, there has Ryan Reynolds' wife in it. Mrs. Ryan Reynolds. She's surfing. A shark attacks her for some reason. And this shark is the most relentless. Sharks wouldn't bother hanging around this long <laughs> to try and eat a human. They have to have some sort of grudge like Mother yeah. of Jaws or whatever that the sequel was. Yeah, this this shark is, you know, and I swear it roared at one point <laughs> as well. Lots of crabs ran onto this rock that she was on and she accidentally crushed a crab and then ate it and then vomited it up and then a seagull ate it. I was like, this is weird. What? Why did they include this detail? <laughs> Why was the scene kept in? Why were all the other scenes involving crabs <laughs> deleted? Like, <laughs> Why wasn't it not just the credits at the beginning and then the credits at the end and that's it? <laughs> just like, welcome to the film. That was a film. I would like to have seen that film, but from a crab's perspective. That would have been way more interesting. What's happening over there? I can't really see. My eyes don't work that well. (laughs) Sorry, like an insect just attacked me. Attacked with malice and intent like the shark. Yes. He's he's talking shit about my distant cousins. How was Desert Fest? Pray tell, how was the Saturday or the Sunday? (laughs) How was the one day of it? So think of it as a, a Saturday night pub crawl. But you're only listening to basically one song all the time. <laughs> it gets a touch samey when it's very much... The problem was, like, uh, initially, I didn't have a ticket for getting into the Roundhouse. 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 
then jeans they're high which wasn't a big problem like on the first day it was more sunday i was interested in doesn't really matter now anyway but uh the first place <laughs> i wanted to go to was the dev which as you well know it's about the size of a, a conventional pub couldn't get in just just it was people pressed <laughs> against the windows busy so i got to hear about 20 seconds as i walked past uh, of uh, a band called gazillion angry mexicans oh that's the one you were really excited to yeah, see <laughs> Oh, never mind. <laughs> For some reason, I thought I read that they come from Australia, of all places, which would be, I don't know, a slightly surreal situation. Let's fly halfway across the world, go play a gig in a pub. <laughs> medium-sized pub. Medi- a medium-sized pub, yeah. It's in Camden, but it's a medium-sized pub. Imagine if they didn't know what it was. Like, Devonshire Arms, fine, that sounds cool. We don't know how pub names work in the UK. That's probably like, it's probably like a big old army base or something. No, no. It's more of a square these days, but it used to be like a triangle in the corner that was the, the actual stage. It just reminded me of the cherry tree. <laughs> just <laughs> much... Devin Townsend plays the cherry tree. Like, oh no. <laughs> like... <laughs> Dear listeners, if you do, if you know of the cherry tree in Canterbury, you know what we're on, on about, but it is the smallest pub to ever have shows played in it. It's it's just the awkward shape as well. <laughs> it's just, no. <laughs> Imagine your front room of a bar and it, it's probably about the same size. JT Saw is bigger. I don't think you've been to JT Saw. It's a very small venue slash recording studio where Sleaford's actually recorded a few of their albums ah. amongst others. It is essentially... Have you been to the Chameleon? Oh man, I need to drag you around all these places because they're they're great. Yes, I think I've only ever been to like the Sal Pit, some other places outside of the centre <laughs> of Lund- uh, centre, and um, in like Rock City. I think they uh, may have gone to maybe one or two others, but I can't remember the names. I went food tasting as well yes. at the same weekend. Oh, that was good. Oh boy, I hope everybody loves the food that we have decided upon. I'm not going to spoil it, but <laughs> they better like it. Uh... Beige. Excellent. Carb loading for the win. Boy, but I'll talk more about my wedding closer to the date. Yes. But uh, as a massive heads up, with our schedule moving forward, which we'll probably repeat again at the end of the show, is you're going to a convention soon. So we will be doing not an episode, but some content <laughs> involving that and whatever I'm doing that weekend. So it'll be like a separate ways thing. I've, I've got to remember to be able to actually record things for a, for a whole two days. And also, we will be taking a break in early July because I have a wedding to, to continue planning and a stag do to go to and then a wedding to be at. <laughs> so we'll be back like late summer, early autumn, but we might be do things in between if either of us have time. Anyway. I've got two pretty much back-to-back music festivals in uh, August. Oh, we could try to do a pre-festival thingy like we we did last year because that's quite fun so basically after july you'll be hearing from us intermittently always an adventure is changing it's, it's a videos reference <laughs> they're like videos isn't dead it's changing it's just changing it's, it's just a little different <laughs> try to do an even number of episodes before we tie the end of the balloon as it were just let a little bit squeak through every now and then don't know what you're doing with your balloon let's find out what the balloon of this episode is <laughs> let's just roll the intro some sort of horrendous sample based monstrosity with the generic beat thunder some sort of horrendous sample based monstrosity with horrendous sound generic beat some sort of horrendous sample based monstrosity with the generic beat thunder some sort of horrendous sample based monstrosity with the generic beat thunder not giving me any space for um bullshit so i'm not going to give you any bullshit well, no, you can't. I just didn't write ad-lib bullshit here. Like, just <laughs> read between the lines, Alex. Read between them lines. Read the lines between those lines. Keep going down into the infinity <laughs> of lines. With between lines. To the Planck's constant of lines. The angstrom distance away from each other. 
or, or smaller, in <laughs> fact, because Planck's constantly small. Anyway, um, welcome back to Always an Adventure. It's a podcast with me, Alex. Although I am few and hungover version of Sam, I cannot guarantee increased competence this week either. But I do feel more on the ball. I can see straight for a start, so... That's helpful. It is helpful when staring at a screen and <laughs> swiping stuff and having to look at really terrible buy-sell things. So, without further adieu, let's have a look at some <laughs> buy-sell adieus. That doesn't make sense. Swipey, 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 McDoo. Can I get you smoked, dried, whole, organic crayfish, 100 grams, <laughs> tasty and pure, most importantly... Sand free. Oh, good. Do you know what? I've always had a problem with crayfish is that fucking grit in there. It just gets between your teeth and it really ruins the culinary experience. Yeah. How can you not enjoy a meal unless it's also gritty for some reason? Nine ninety nine per each, eh? By the each, indeed, yeah. <laughs> By the each. This item should be cooked before consumption. No shit. <laughs> crayfish is very nutritious and adds flavor for most African dishes. Well, what about other dishes? You could add flavour to them as well. Oh, that is a good thing to put on the thread straight after a crab <laughs> picture, isn't it? Like, bam, crayfish. <laughs> that shit cray. That shit cray. That is not a very appealing picture. And even if I did eat fish, no. <laughs> no. It kind of looks a bit like dried crickets, but it isn't. I would, pro- would actually prefer dried crickets. You're right there. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> this is fine. <laughs> Protein. <laughs> Yum. Cron- cron- crunchy. <laughs> Crog. <laughs> Croggy. <laughs> it's, it's got the nutrient qualities of a pair of Crocs, but also makes you groggy. No crayfish for me, please. It's too cray for me. Sure. Moving on. Can I get you uh, a one-off gull mushroom head? What? Mushroom head? Our lovely concrete garden product, but when it's gone, it's gone. Approximately 39 centimetres high approximately and 30 centimeters wide our facebook page is nightstone garden products feel free to have a look thank you for giving me your permission to look on a public site please look at our other mushroom heads bullshit bullshit i want to see this mushroom head just but oh no <laughs> oh no oh no 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 uh, sorry that's supposed to be a girl it's a mushroom person thing it's a girl mushroom head yes that just looks like an anthropomorphized disney dog <laughs> that does not look like a girl to me i mean <laughs> it's a fucking concrete mushroom yeah but it's supposed to be of the woman woman, woman. gender oh no i just i don't like it i just <laughs> why do people feel they need to put faces on things that don't need faces for a start i mean it's it's because it's it's disturbing it's they secretly want to fuck it ah uh, I, I don't think i took a photo but when i was at tented and garden center the one stop place for all of your new year's day fun <laughs> yes i know it's new year's eve fun they had similar things but the, the i should have taken photos because they have the faces on those mushrooms were nightmare fuel <laughs> they were like stretched out oh. and like kind of had really exaggerated sort of 1950s cartoon features oh no i didn't like it i was mildly hung over but not all the way hung over because i don't want to throw shade on uh, our host mr nightingale but at a place which does cider he didn't give us cider to drink for free. He just gave us whatever other brewery gave the cast off beer. <laughs> it was so, <laughs> so yeasty. And I just felt like I was full after four cans. A product he literally produces, he wasn't going to give you any of. It's a classic Ollie move, bless it. Incidentally, as a slight sidewinder, his cider is now being sold at the brewery slash pub down the road for me, the Black Iris. Oh, yeah. I'm going to try that later today. Marvellous. I'm also drinking alcohol. <laughs> it's in your day the right way i feel tropical it's almost tropical and this is banana rum and blood 
like orange. <laughs> orange and bananas. What else do you have for the swiping of the goodness? Because I don't want to look at that anymore. <laughs> I've got you some free saucepans. What, three saucepans or free saucepans? Three. Free saucepans. Spores bands. Oh, they're a little bit scuffed. Yeah, yours for the price of absolutely nothing. Some fucked up saucepans. No, it says 1,234. It's like they just typed 1, 2, 3, 4 in the fucking thing. Oh, no. Yeah, because they but didn't it's... know how to put free. So they wrote free saucepans and then said free but... to whoever the, who wants them. No, it's free to whoever want S them. Detail is important. Want model S rather than the standard model want. Can I offer you and could you be interested in three scrap car doors? For which car, pray tell, uh, you've already sent me the phone. Uh, three car doors for scrap if anyone wants them. Just scrap doors. Okay, what? How? Hold on. Can we see a picture of them? They nope. haven't shown any photos. <laughs> nope. They're just. So we're relying on this Sarah, but without a H on it. She's just giving away three unspecified car doors. Are they the front doors? Are they the rear doors? Are they even what the same condition? color? Are they from the same vehicle? What happened to the fourth door? <laughs> yeah, that was my next question. Like, okay, so if they're from the same vehicle, so what happened to the fourth door? I'm slightly concerned. Are you selling bits of your car that is for scrap, but just in not individually, but just in chunks? Like, and now we have three of the four cylinders in this engine. Like, oh, well, okay, why threes? It's like buying hot dogs in eight packs and buns in six packs all over again. I found out recently that you can actually buy the same number of buns as hot dogs. It has now happened. They have aligned. Finally, it only took like, what, 60 years or whatever. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It only took since my granddad was a child. Wanted, read below. It starts with the word as. Has anyone Good. got any sitting around and want rid of mopeds, mo mo motorbikes, there are no spaces in this, pit bikes, anything considered, spares or repairs, non-running projects, blown up, rusting away, MOT failures, anything left, let me know ASAP, inbox me pictures and more info, thanks, please delete if not allowed. I'm sorry, was one of the terms blown up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just blown up my bike it is blown up well at least it isn't stolen oh there's actually pictures there's commas in it though fucking hell that looks like a scene from the walking dead or something that's mental just a load of scrap bikes scrap bikes but i like the um banners that they've used underneath which are very sort of uh they feel festive to me they do wanted cheap non-running project dead or alive <laughs> <laughs> all right this isn't the wild west mate on jesus steel christ i'm wanted dead or alive right was that is that everything for now can i please ask if you're finished you can please ask if i'm finished i finished please delete if not allowed please delete if not allowed but we can't delete this bit if it's not allowed because it is allowed because it's the news you can't delete the news well you can but somebody will always know that something's missing these following articles will surely be testament to that are you ready for the news sure news for people so, Alex, yes. I have got a news story. Sam, I have a news story. I'm going to read mine first. Shut up. This one is from Birmingham Mail. Yes. As in the paper, not the man. <laughs> it's just the Birmingham <laughs> Mail. I am the man of Birmingham. And the mail that wrote this is David Bentley on the 28th of February this year. Mystery over six-foot man-goat spotted crossing Midlands Road by late-night driver. This is a story... <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Continue, continue. I'm fine. <laughs> uh, and of course, the pre-article quote was, It was not a deer because it stood on two legs. 
This was in the Midlands, and the area is traditional rolling fields and woodland. Thank you for that description. <laughs> a driver has reported seeing a mysterious creature described as a large man-goat on hind legs crossing Midlands roads late at night. Several roads. No, I, I fucked that up. It's a Midlands road, but it sounds more exciting if it's across multiple roads, I guess. And Midlands roads. The bizarre sighting happened on the A425 between Upper Shockburg... Warwickshire and Staverton, <laughs> Northamptonshire. Shuck the burg. <laughs> Shuck that burger. In the early hours of February the 20th. And has triggered, oh God, online discussions about what might have been. So this is probably now just going to be a fucking load of quotes. Northants Live reports that local residents are spooked by the reports, which first came to light on Mum's Net. <laughs> <laughs> that well-known source of information fucking mum's net where a forum called galloping high road or like that's camel case but all one word discussed his encounter with the unknown animal and is keen to identify what he saw he dismissed any suggestions it might be a sasquatch <laughs> or slender man saying these things do not exist <laughs> he's already got his 20 dollars Slender Man ain't a real thing anymore. But it possibility of a man-goat, that <laughs> might exist. He's open to the option <laughs> of this legend possibly being a reality. What kind of satanic ritual has brought forth the man-goat? In the initial message, the motorist detailed what he had seen. We had been away for a few nights and travelled back quite late. Really? Glug glug. <laughs> Towards the end of our journey, this was about 2am, we were driving along an A road in a rural area when something crossed the road in front of us in full headlights for about three, three seconds. That's a more of a Twitter thing. When someone <laughs> writes a letter, they have to write the number next to it. Like... Because reasons. It was about the height of a person, maybe six feet or over, but had short, powerful legs and hips, <laughs> which seemed to move in a circular, fluid fashion. <laughs> Is it Shakira? Like... Passenger, it seems like uh, that person thing that walks in front of us has hips that do not lie. I concur. In this particular spot, Spot, there are no houses nor buildings nearest is over a mile away well people know how to walk you don't the people are npcs they don't just like hover around a 300 yard perimeter around their building some dickhead waiting to spook some people on a rural country road wearing a ghillie suit surely could be further away from houses than expected i guess possible shakira spotted yeah. was she the one that got chased out by a wild boar recently as well yes possibly yeah she may have been attacked by a wild boar she's getting her revenge we drove back today as it's only seven miles from home to look at the road layout and whatever it was moved into a wide bowl-shaped field dropping down to a stream bowl, bowl, any bowl, ideas bowl, 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 bowls of man goat <laughs> man goat just loads of them <laughs> just roll in and can't get out <laughs> so many of them a number of theories were put forward with some saying it sounded like a kangaroo or wallaby yeah yeah sure kangaroos or wallabies tend to not walk like human beings in the midlands <laughs> coventry live points out there have been a number of wallaby sightings in the warwickshire and this could be another oh, okay i rescind my statement clearly there are wallaby sightings also a six foot wallaby what <laughs> no yeah but this was an estimation based on two scared motorists who may and may not have been drinking in the small hours of the morning there were, and there were no bananas for scale exactly i don't have any bananas for scale right now i do have a banana but it's not a real one if they needed to hold up maybe four to five inch banana that's a yeah it's more like four inch banana pen well you know men exaggerate anyway so the witness said not sure wallaby or kangaroo fits what we saw but i get the hips thing <laughs> definitely not those much taller and upright when moving the closest we can describe is a large man goat on hind legs that's the closest description to a wallaby you could think of was a man goat so where, where does the goat start and the man 
begin. It's like an exquisite corpse picture, you know, where the head is a human and then the torso is a goat and then the groin is a human and then the ankles are a goat again. The legs are Shakira for some reason. That's the only rationale behind the yeah. hips don't lie. Anyway, let's get to the end of this. <laughs> let's get on with this. So the closest you could describe is a large man goat on hind legs, but really stocky ones. You know, doesn't skip leg day. Obviously not that though. No animals in surrounding fields when we go there today. Yeah, because animals just hang around waiting for you just to turn up and look at them idiots one reply said apparently there's something called chronic wasting disease that deer get that makes them look spooky and they often get mistaken for humanoid creatures what they just lose the front legs and just start walking around on their back legs like don't mind me i've just got chronic wasting disease this chronic wasting disease has made me wear a button-up shirt and chinos but i'm a deer <laughs> oh god they started the, the sentence with the word and which is great and it seems more than one person has seen an unusual animal in the area a forum user called laced said i'm the full stop interested because i've seen something very strange too disappearing up across the fields behind the house and into the woods it wasn't upright though so you haven't seen the same thing is there something in the water around here or is it they've been picking unusual fungus or something like there's certain kinds of water that might make you have some tall tales to tell the location was confirmed on google earth trademark as a lay-by next to fields on the a425 just outside staverton let us know what you think in the comments I reason why I put that is because there wasn't a comment section. <laughs> so it's got, you can't let them know what you think in the comments. So they've deleted it. And the news article says, like, comment and subscribe. I think that maybe there was a comment section, but it became so engorged with bullshit. They just deleted <laughs> it. No. <laughs> just like, no. Hey, engorged with bullshit. That's a good descriptor of our show, isn't it? Quite. <laughs> anyway, so that was my greatest of all time article do you have something that's of similar calibre <laughs> maybe itv drama the thief his wife and the canoe tells the story of john darwin as we look back at tale of kent's own canoe man anthony mccurlin that's a thing okay so this was published on the 17th of april this year by and it was written by joe walker go joe a new itv drama starting tonight will bring to life the infamous tale of canoe man john darwin who faked his own death in 2002 to pocket £500,000. Here, we tell the story of a man, a Kent man, he wasn't from Kent originally, but a Kent man who cooked up his own elaborate scam, only to come unstuck without seeing a penny. The year was 2009, and Anthony McCurlin was down on his luck, riddled with debt and drinking too much. Then aged 63, he was still mourning the loss of his first wife to cancer, and keeping his money woes secret from his second, a Honduran woman ten years his junior. They were living in the Central American hotspot, where one afternoon, whilst drowning his sorrows, he mentioned to a friend that he was paying into a high-value life insurance policy for years. You can easily be dead here, came the response, which would set off a chain of events that would see McCurlin swap his life on the Caribbean coast for a jail cell in Sheppey. The dad of two had pound signs in his eyes, literally, that it's a condition. <laughs> no need to call attention to my condition. <laughs> and was determined to get hold of the £520,000 windfall that we paid out upon his accidental death. But how would he kill himself off? How would he convince the authorities and the insurance company that he was no longer alive? McCurlin started hatching an elaborate plan. You'll hear this elaborate plan in a moment, <laughs> which would see him get hold of the official documents needed to fake his own death. And in January 2010, they dropped onto the desk of an employee at Ace Insurance in Glasgow, Scotland. There it was in black and white. Anthony Brendan McCurlin was no more. He had been knocked down by a cabbage truck <laughs> while changing a wheel on the side of the road in northern Honduras. Wow, that's a Darwin Award, isn't it? Like getting killed by a cabbage truck. Cabbage like. truck. Death by cabbage truck. Yeah, I love that band. Oh, <laughs> 
A witness statement from a friend, Ronald F. Lodge, told how he had been on a trip photographing wildlife when tragedy struck on the 6th of December 2009. Anthony offered to change the wheel as he was worried about missing the dawn, he said. I heard a truck approaching but took no notice as this road has farm vehicles using it. I felt a violent bang, don't we all? (laughs) The car moved forwards towards me and off the jack. The truck carried on without stopping. I could see Anthony lying on the road about five yards on. He was completely still and appeared badly damaged. My friend, you are badly damaged. It looked as if the rear wheels of the truck had gone over him. I was in a panic. I tried to use my cell phone to call for assistance, but had no signal. I went back to Anthony, but it was quite clear he had been killed by the truck. Mr. Lodge said he waited for five minutes before a truck full of farm workers passed the scene. They seemed quite nonplussed with the situation and carried the body into their truck, he said. We then proceeded to San Santa Rosa de... Uh, I'm going to fuck this up, right? <laughs> Santa Rosa de Aguan... Aguan? <laughs> Fuck's sake. Agave? A-G-U-A-N. Aguan. A small village on the banks of the river Aguan. Local people took care of the body. I was able to return to Trujillo and to tell Mrs. McKerlin what had happened. Along with a witness statement was a death certificate with the documents reputedly sent by someone in the UK behalf of McCurlin's wife, Sonia. But suspicions were higher in the insurance firm, with alarm bells ringing further when a request for the dead man's passport was declined. So sceptical were brokers that they alerted Insurance Fraud Bureau, which called the police in to investigate. McCurlin's elaborate plot was starting to unravel before he even seen a penny. By now, he was back in the UK, having moved to a quiet street in the picturesque Canterbury village of Petham, in August 2009. Four months before his apparent untimely demise, it was the fraud squad who came knocking in March 2011. Their investigations had quickly established McCurlin was likely alive and well, as his fingerprints had been found on his own death certificate. What? Just like... Let me fill in my own death certificate. They'll never notice. He was arrested and taken for questioning at Canterbury Police Station. Despite his inclination to deceive, McCurlin was quick to hold his hands up. The common claimed he dreamed up the scam without his wife's knowledge because he feared for being destitute in his old age. He was released on bail on the condition he surrender his passport to stop him fleeing the country. But the following day, McCurlin just applied for a new one. Good. <laughs> Telling officials he had lost the travel document. He was stopped in his tracks, however, as police managed to intercept the replacement passport before it arrived. <laughs> Good. McCullin would have faced consequences for his actions. During the investigation into the death insurance scam, detectives discovered the frauds had also been claiming two pensions in the name of his dead father-in-law, pocketing £68,000 over four years. By the time of his arrest, he had only £3,834 in his bank account. He'd been charged with making a false insurance claim to counts of theft and false representation by claiming he had lost his passport. Got him for that as well. <laughs> in court, McCurlin alleged he had run up £150,000 in debts whilst looking after his first wife while she was terminally ill. He was reported to have told a probation officer he had found the law of money irresistible. Irresistible, you say? Irresistible money. He admitted to all the charges and in October 2011, he was jailed for six years for what the judge, Adele Williams, described as deliberate and calculated fraud. For someone like you. Shh, that was my <laughs> joke. You were driven by the desire to gratify your own over, uh, overweening, overweening, overweening oh. greed, she added. She didn't wish him nothing but the best. Yeah. McCurlin's sentence would be later cut by a year when lawyers argued that he was suffering with heart disease and had only attempted the fraud to support his family. Well, wasn't that Walter White's excuse for doing all of that drug dealing stuff? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I don't feel sorry for this man just because lots of people have terminal diseases and they overcome them in more sensible ways than just going straight up fucking criminal, faking your own death, 
writing your own death certificate, not wiping the prints off as well. That was a schoolboy error. You could have got away with all of this if you hadn't done that. You just got someone else to fill in your death certificate. Very simple. Don't do it yourself, you idiot. So where does the canoe come in? <laughs> so the canoe man, so so McKellen's elaborate scam echoed the infamous case of canoe man John Darwin, who turned up alive in December 2007, five years after faking his death in a canoe accident off the coast of Seton Carrow in Hartlepool. But while Darwin managed to pocket 500 grand in insurance and pension payouts before his lies unraveled, McCurley did not receive a penny. He would serve his time in HMP only. Isn't that like a pretend version of cream? On the Isle of Sheppey, <laughs> where in 2012 he shed more light on his attempt at the hoax. Recalling how the plan was cooked up, he told ITV's prisoners behind bars he had gone off the rails after his first wife died. I was drinking too much, trying to blot out everything, he said. I happen to say to a very good friend that I've been paying for 13 odd years in a high value life insurance policy. He said, I can tell you how to get all the certificates for that. You can easily be dead here. The more I thought about it, the more I thought, yeah, 520 grand will do it. Everything's viable here were genuine original documents and it all stacked up. But McCurlin said he started worrying about submitting the claims, fearing for his own health. I thought I'd get sick here and I can't go back to the UK and get health care, he said. Oh, really? I, I thought I'm... he was already sick. Apparently almost, but not quite run though. I'm really up a creek without a paddle here and I started to backpedal. How do you pedal a canoe? I thought no. Pedalo. <laughs> it's, it's a pedalo canoe. It's one of them dual purpose. I thought no, but how do you unkill yourself? <laughs> okay. Necromancy. I'll, I'll finish this load of quotes and I'll sharp. McCullin said he continued with his plan and returned to Kent where he was holed up in a house in Petham. Oh, what a terrible life. I'd grown a black beard and had long black hair, he recalled, but people I knew didn't recognise me. Ellen would never receive a penny for his fake death scam, later claiming he had been unlucky. What can you say? I'm in here. I regret being in here, but I don't think I shouldn't be in here, he said. I knew what I was doing and I knew the risks. I'm guilty as the day is long. Life's a bit like Monopoly, isn't it? No. No. <laughs> but I just go to jail and not the 200 pounds. I was unlucky. I thought it was a bloody good scheme. It would have been good if you hadn't have fucking filled in your own death certificate, you cretin. Do not pass go. Do not collect. Was it 578,000 pounds? <laughs> 520,000 pounds. Yeah. One mustn't go committing fraud against major insurance companies. Well, no shit. Yeah. On the face of it, McCurlin appeared to be a chancer, an opportunist who had tried to make some money out of a big corporate firm in what some would seem as a victimless crime. But his cheerful persona belied a more sinister side that he had seen him rack up previous convictions dating back to the early 60s, including for firearms offences, dishonesty, dishonesty. I didn't know you can get... <laughs> that, is that an offence? <laughs> I sentenced you to three years hard labour for being dishonest. Dishonesty and a robbery that earned him a three and a half year stint in prison in 1975. McCurlin's life had been one of crime and the fake death insurance scam was not to be his last. Little more than a year after his release from Elmley, he made a cold call to a 94 year old man pretending to be from a will writing service. He turned up the door of George Manwill shortly afterwards and over the next eight months wheedled his way into every aspect of the elderly man's life. He forged signatures of neighbours to obtain power of attorney over the unsuspecting pensioner. He moved him into a care home after helping him sell his house in 2016. Mr Manwill said, At first I didn't trust him but I received a phone call from a lady stating he was qualified. He seemed genuine. I came to consider him a friend. In 2016 my house was sold. He told me that he'd put it into a Lloyd's bank account, but I've never seen any evidence. McCurlin had linked his victim's bank account to his own, pocketed tens of thousands of pounds. He tried to buy a £39,000 necklace from a Canterbury jewellers with his victim's money and purchase a 16 grand Audi, claiming he needed it to ferry the pensioner to medical appointments. A Santander bond worth £135,000 went straight to McCurlin's bank account. Signed and witnessed 
Will named McCurlin and his wife a sole beneficiary of Mr. Manwell's £800,000 estate were also made, but never found. After his deception was uncovered, McCurlin was arrested and in 2019, now aged 73, appeared in court's charged with dishonestly obtaining lasting power of attorney for gain. Mr. Manuel told the court, My will was split five ways with my family and neighbours. I have not given him any permission to take money from my account. I feel such a fool that he has taken my money when I trusted him. McCullen pleaded not guilty, but was convicted by a jury and in February of 2019 was jailed for five years. What a life he's led, full of chicanery and deception, basically. And I don't agree with a lot of what he did, well, almost all of what he did, but like duping an old man out of his house. Yeah. And then just buying bling with it. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) Really expensive, yeah. Yeah, 39 grand. I could use that to convert my loft and get a fucking extension and shit. That's a good chunk of change. His wife, Sonia, was arrested after the fake death scam, but later returned to Honduras after being released without charges. That's it. Is that, that it now? That, we're done. that was a thesis, that was. It wasn't interminable by any means, but that for an article, that was proper meaty, that was. That was a long boy. That was a write-up. I think somebody actually tried with that <laughs> as well, like, which is great because we've hit like a slew of just people just phoning it in for yeah. the word count. Two people phoning it in badly. Yeah, like they wrote about 200 words and then the, the other 500 words was just quotes so people are fascinating in their criminal pursuits aren't they like how do you have the fucking audacity to just do that for like what since the 60s or whatever it is yeah. just like his whole adult life has just been i'm just gonna try and fuck the system up i would be impressed if there weren't actual people that got affected by it which clearly there were which is something i vehemently disagree with yeah treat the elderly with respect for fuck's sake yeah. god damn it as we edge ever closer <laughs> towards that age i could feel my f- flesh sloughing off your skin becoming more translucent as your eyes become my eyes are gonna look so hollow when i'm 60 because i've got deep set eye sockets so i just got like a fucking skeleton play into it like do the makeup make yourself look like a lich or something yeah why not indefinitely yeah. indefinite lich luckily people won't be able to see my face screwing up for this next section because i'm probably gonna fail hard at it <laughs> which is of course what's that song one two three four uh, uh, uh. Uh, fuck you, man. In celebration of our uh, big chat, the theme is... Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Is it country and western covers of popular songs by any chance? That was a, my initial thought, and then I didn't do that because I didn't want to. That's fair. <laughs> this probably makes it a bit easier, but um, the names of the songs are in some way reference town and country, or city and country more so. Righto. Let's do it. Let's fucking do it. Let's fucking Watch do it. Watch me collapse like a building. Just any building. Take your pick. I'm sorry, I was uh, biting a cuticle off of my finger and I didn't listen to that. You have to speak up, I'm not wearing any pants. It's going down, is that what they said? It's going down in the city, in the country, in in a township somewhere, (laughs) in some kind of a hamlet. Uh, It's going down in Bognor Regis. As far as I'm aware, these are originals, so there's no who also covered it that you have to work out. It's just song and band person i don't think that makes it any easier for me to be honest (laughs) okay it's going down it's going down where is it going down who's going down hoomst is going down on hoomst that was a much earlier episode that we'd have covered that in our not safe for work special do you know what we called like episodes specials but every episode is special to me alex unique and flowery well i don't know about that maybe like a plant it would be is that fucking stinkhorn mushroom oh fuck me (sighs) I don't know. It's probably got the word city in it, but I don't know what it is. It does have the word city in it. I'm having a blank. I'm having a blank there. It's vaguely familiar, but I can't remember the name of the song or who did it. Have a blank in your own time. Shall we move on? Okay.
Wow, that was messy. Again? Here, Blobby. <laughs> Mr. Blobby is going down. Wrecking your village in a tractor. Wrecking your village in a tractor beam. No, um, that's not it at no. all. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, I don't know what the fuck that is. <laughs> We're doing well, ladies and gentlemen. It's not helping that I'm... I've not eaten and I'm very slightly impaired by this alcohol. Why was it a good idea again to drink at 11am? I guess you've got a day where you need to be day drunk. Today is treat day. I felt like it. Yeah. But ultimately, this has not lent itself well to be paying attention. Because apparently, pineapple rum, dead man's fingers trademark, pineapple rum, doesn't make you feel like you want to think. Oh no, I don't know what that is. It's quite messy and loud and you've sneakily chosen, again, a, a sort of very sloppy bit of the no i don't know what that is i'm sorry i, I i'll be here all day trying to think about it and then i will still arrive at the same arrive at the same conclusion i've got to read a story time out later if i get any more tipsy i'm just gonna fail it right sorry i do not know please put me out of my misery by playing the next one i'm a professional cynic Lives in a house, a very big house in the country by Blur. Yeah, country. It's not even called that, it's called Country something. Country House by Blur. Yeah. <laughs> Three house. Lives in a house, very big house in the country. Watching afternoon repeats in the third years in the country. He takes a minor of pills and piles up out of his bills in the country. Oh, it's like an animal farm, that's a real old charm in the country. In a country. No, Damon Albers' verse, verse, voice is very distinctive. I'm glad I got that one. I, I feel slightly more confident about my abilities. Not seven bald. That's my hashtag. Not, <laughs> not seven, seven bald. bald. So, you know, you should always do seven of these so we can actually do the not seven bald joke. Yeah, I can do seven from now on. Next. Just a crack. Just a crack. <laughs> it's from an innocent line. I just put it just amused me. So that's why that's I, what I, you I, get. I recognise this. Of course you do, Sam. Of course that's you do. You, you probably, you've probably heard it about ten trillion times. Just a crack, you say. Can I have it again? I want to nail the guy. I mean, the guy's voice. Just a crack. Oh. F mm. Mm. <laughs> oh, come on, Sam. No, this is so... Who is that vocalist? It's so familiar sounding. He's got that kind of floaty, dream poppy sort of voice that's going on. This is the one that, like, the first two, I, I have almost no idea what it is. But this, I'm so much closer to figuring it out. But, like, no, come on. Come on. Come. On. On come? No. This is really annoying me. I know this. I know this. This is like the whole Deftones cover of Sade's No Ordinary Love. Yeah. I know what this is, but at the same time, I can't, I can't tell you who it is. That's annoying. Isn't it fun how brains work, ladies and gentlemen? Brains are big mass of meat that mostly throw out intrusive thoughts and anxiety at two in the morning. And more often than not, just, just block your receptors for listening to songs that you should know. So that's the longest way around saying, I don't know what this is. Sorry. Onward. Please. Cool cat, looking for a kitty. Summer in the city. This is the summer in the city one. Who actually sings it though? It's summer in the city. It is summer in the city. By the Kooks, the Kings. The Kooks. <laughs> the, 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 this is not the first time that's made you laugh. Um, 
it's much older than that. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 neither of the, any of those bands were alive when this song came out. So it's it's not the fall then. No. That would only be funny because if you knew the guy from The Fall, which is Marky e. Smith, I think it is, and he's just got that. Nah, 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 nah. So it is Summer in the City, but I don't know what the name of the person who did it was. So I would award myself, if I was judge, half a point for that because I got half of it right. Yeah, you got the song, that's fine enough. Uh, the Loving Spoonful. I didn't like that. <laughs> Hot town, summer in the city, back of my neck getting dirt and gritty. Then down, isn't it a pity? Doesn't seem to be a shadow in the city. All around, people looking half dead, walking on the sidewalk, harder than a match He has a good um, inflections and flow in that. It's yeah. quite enjoyable. He says half dead on the sidewalk. All good. Almost heaven. Almost heaven. Now, by its very nature, this sounds like a country song. So we're in the country again, are we? Johnny Cash? No, that does not sound joke. It's not like Conway Twig. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Conway Twig. I see the sparkling. No, it's not that, but it's uh, almost name, almost name of person. Oh, so it is a person's name, so it's not like Leonard Skinner or anything like that. You'd be pleased to know that I did not include a country version of Hotel California, but they exist. Can you play that song again? Almost heaven. Okay, what other country singers with a name do you know? So it's not Safian Stevens. No. Because he doesn't doesn't sound like that. No. And that's too new. This sounds like old old you will kick yourself for not getting it i definitely will because all i can think of is johnny cash which it isn't no conway twitty which it isn't no <laughs> bleeding gums murphy which isn't a real guy no and he's a saxophonist it's not 22 top or anything is it no <laughs> no zz top goes country like come on um no i can't i can't think who this might be sorry um we're gonna have to move on and it's a shame because i definitely would have got that if i remembered people's names you know i have a, I have a problem with not remembering people's names don't i daniel <laughs> anyway can we move on to the, what i assume is the last no one? that was is the last the... one that was the last one. i fail i got two one and a half, I'd say, but two, whatever. Yeah, you got two. The first one in the list was City of Angels by the Distillers. really cool poster of Brody Dale on my wall when I was a teenager and I only know about three distillers songs and that wasn't one of them that's why Josh was it Josh Homme's uh less than six wives or more than six wives <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> baby mother messy breakup personage it was a traditional classic rock star romance that was I'm sorry Brody I wasn't vibing with that one next was a uh, country girl primal scream be honest the only primal scream that i know is that one that's really famous so shake it baby what does he say nazi hat in that song as well <laughs> little girl dressed in black leather boots nazi hat <laughs> maybe all right primal scream <laughs> chill right, out chill. mr scream mr scream was my father's name <laughs> please call me primal isn't that a game called primal rage it's like a beat-em-up that sounds right yeah <laughs> 
So the one you were umming and ahhing about because you couldn't remember their name, uh, well, the song is called Fireflies and it's by Owl City. Oh, for fuck's sake! I like to make myself believe should know that song because my brother the incredibly talented subsound did a beautiful piano cover of that when he was a teenager unfortunately that means i only know that his version <laughs> over that <laughs> so i know it on piano and with his voice subsound you you were the reason i failed this <laughs> you are uh finally take me home country roads by john denver for god's sake john denver country roads take me Okay, yes, I am kicking myself, especially for that one. God damn it. This means I need the ultimate punishment of listening to all of these horrible, well, nice songs in a horrible mashup. Mountain Mama, take me home. how just country road is just like the last thing but i could make out owl city very clearly in that mixture of awful and it just, just sounded like everything else got put in a tumble drop <laughs> the thing is the way that fireflies is produced it's it's just a little bit louder than everything else all right because that was a bedroom production i believe from owl city and it, that's what made him famous it's sort of loudness war era so it's it's very very loud Do you know that's how my brother was taught how to produce music brick wallet we've got to be everything louder than everything else yeah it sounds good when everything is equally as loud all the time and there's no breathing space at all that's made for radio in kind of the spirit of the big chat that people still don't know what it's about. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I do have a story, but I also need a piss. So I'll be back in a sec. I'll pee as well then. So Daniel has a lot of skincare products. So one of them says like, uh, great for oily skin, which can cause spots or can cause spots. But because they're on two different lines, it makes it sound like... <laughs> it can cause spots. <laughs> uh, so to fill in the spots in everyone's memories, well, not yours because you weren't there. I'm going to rewind back to 2003. And this, this takes place in the depths of the countryside, this story. It surely does. So let's get on with it. The quick wank. So this story, Oscar, would you please be quiet? This story is the caravan madness. Now I checked. I thought I'd already told everyone this story, but it turns out I didn't because oh. I looked through my notes from the past year and a half, and I definitely haven't said about this. Deep down, caravan madness. So this story, for once, uh, for twice, it doesn't involve me getting drunk, but it involves me experiencing people that are absolutely shit faced. And it does contain a lot. Let's get on with it. <laughs> this tale takes place on Gibbet Oak Farm, where Nightingale Cider is made. But this is prior to that ever being a commercial thing. So, Isn't a gibbet where people got, like, hanged or something? Correct. There is an oak on which or under which people got lynched. So, which, as you know, boasts many acres of apple orchards with interconnecting woodland patches from prior stories, such as 
Ollie's barbecue and etc. So it also boasts an open-fronted barn and even a large pond nearby. It often attracts workers during the summer months, mostly for apple picking duties. They typically take residence in one of two caravans located next to the barn. During the off-season, however, these caravans would largely remain vacant, waiting to be given purpose once more. It was at these very structures Sanity took leave one evening back in 2003, birthing one of the more memorably batshit incidents to occur that spring. As usual, <laughs> I finished work one Friday evening to find tented and bereft of social activity, though previous experience gave me an inkling people were hiding away somewhere. Not wishing to call it a night, I attempted to track down a potential gathering and join in on the fun. After searching almost everywhere, including both Tenterden and St. Michael's Wreck, various fields and everywhere in between, it wasn't looking hopeful. In some kind of desperate, last-ditch effort, I headed farther afield towards the Nightingale's farm. Not that I expected anyone to be there or anything. The journey itself was fraught with peril. No bike lights to aid me saw it become God. both a little unnerving and hazardous to boot. Because I am a smart man. <laughs> Doing it right. Much to my surprise, I not only arrived in one piece, but heard muffled voices emanating from the caravans. Someone was actually bloody here after all. Relieved, I set my bike down, walked up to the left-hand caravan and rapped on its door, causing those inside to pause their chatter briefly. Is that Reg? Came a muffled voice, shortly followed by a jovial, come on in, man, before I'd even had time to answer. I entered to find several of Tented and Rex's usual suspects in attendance. <laughs> <laughs> Hence how they likely deduced it was me, being the only mug yet to join this amassing group of drunks. Thanks to my protracted search of said miscreants, it was past midnight and things were winding down a little, albeit in a rather chatty manner. I like to think that my presence ushered in a second wind of sorts, as most <laughs> folks perked up and continued their evening. An ill wind, perhaps. Oh, very ill. <laughs> so, are we, are we back onto typical story time motifs? Sleeping rough, vomiting, maybe some destruction of property. Bodily fluids, but not vomiting. But you will see. Hold okay. on a second. But... For once, it's not from me. It's This is like a... I am like the witness to this <laughs> chaos. Witness once. me! I don't think I've ever explained who Briggers was, but he was a guy that used to hang out with us and he used to do a lot of drugs and um, he really liked the band Corn. So that's Briggers. So, Zig, Briggers and an old school acquaintance, like an old school acquaintance, not old school, but you know, you know what I'm saying, someone from school. Yeah. Blundell, he seemed to be the most animated out of the lot, sitting in a circle while sipping lager and chatting loudly. Making myself comfortable, I quietly listened in on their conversation, when all of a sudden Briggers inexplicably turned round and smashed his forehead into a nearby mirror. Though initially shocked, I believed his actions had a tenuous connection to the lyrics of Here to Stay by Korn. So yeah. So he did that because he was drunk. Mercifully, Briggers emerged unscathed, which is more that could be said for the poor mirror. It now splintered into shards and scattered across the caravan's carpet. Right. Feeling not a little shook and aware things could easily escalate from this point, I took leave to see if the right-hand caravan would bring about a calmer energy. <laughs> I'm imagining it didn't. I boldly entered without knocking to find it was indeed more sedate, with familiar-looking stoned lad lying under a large poncho. I strolled over and made conversation with this baked bloke, relieved to be in less chaotic company, fewer, especially as I too began feeling fatigue's beckon. Timmy and John Hemsley, I said that so carefully because you probably know what's going to happen next, eventually emerged seemingly out of nowhere, though were keeping to themselves in the kitchen area, mostly. 
I joined my stoned buddy under his poncho to keep warm and pretty soon found myself lapsing into a light nap. To dull any background noise, we shared headphones listening to Life is Peachy by Korn. Things seem to be winding down rather nicely. It seemed everyone liked listening to Korn at this It was soiree. 2003. <laughs> uh, they, they just released a new album, so everyone's very excited. I don't even know your name, so let's listen to Korn under a poncho. Of course, this did not last. <laughs> of course. <laughs> As members of the left-hand caravan decided to invade, seemingly with express intention of making as much fucking ruckus as possible. It transpired that Briggers had riled everyone up by enthusiastically steering the conversation toward backyard wrestling. <laughs> okay. This, in turn, encouraged them to conduct some backyard wrestling matches of their own albeit inside the confines of a caravan. <laughs> because that seemed like a totally sensible and not at all insane notion. What began as a few drunken grapples and choke slams swiftly graduated into full-on violence. No thanks to John H. getting involved with notoriously hyperactive puppy dog energy. <laughs> His ADHD-addled mind couldn't handle the sudden escalation. Being whipped up into such a frenzy, it culminated in him smashing headfirst through the kitchen window <laughs> from outside, no less. <laughs> So let's see where Ralph uh, flies through the <laughs> just head first through the window. I don't even remember him going outside. I was quite tired. <laughs> With us both sensing the rather dramatic change in vibe, yeah. my friend made a hasty exit. He just fucked off. I'm gone. Whilst I managed to locate and subsequently lock myself in a rear bedroom, whilst he'd hopped across to the now vacant left caravan. Oh, okay, he fucked off to the caravan yeah. that wasn't full of idiots. <laughs> I had foolishly trapped myself in a place which was quickly transforming into a metal box of ultraviolence. <laughs> I managed to force the door closed, barricading it with an old mattress bent at a right angle, laying on its other half for extra support. People intermittently attempted to shove the door open and drag me into their maelstrom of chaos, but were met with stubborn resistance. From beyond my ad hoc panic room, I could hear loud crashes and yelling, punctuated by an almighty crunch as one poor sod collided with the overhead tube lighting. <laughs> A brief, tense moment followed, which I sincerely hoped spelled an end to it. Though, relieved laughter, followed by continued crashing about, suggested otherwise. Through some kind of miracle, I was eventually able to tune out the hellish din, lapsing <laughs> into an admittedly tumultuous slumber. I awoke to the sound of someone gingerly tapping on the door. Though, other than that, it was dead silent. Reg, can I come in, please? Zig whispered. He was alone, and whatever madness had transpired seemed to have finally have been at its end. Assuming he wanted somewhere to sleep, I granted him passage. Though, was evidently incorrect, for he actually believed my hideout to be the toilet. So, he stood, legs astride, over the mattress whilst unzipping his fly. No, Zig, don't! I instructed in a whisper, so harsh it practically qualified as a shout. Though, I was too late. It's all right, Reg, relax, he slurred before unleashing a stream of hot piss all over the mattress I'd been comfortably snoozing upon oh, not three minutes beforehand. Fuck's sake. Overcome with utter disbelief, I dubbed him a fucking moron before leaving the room just as he passed out next to his own fresh urine patch. <laughs> I guess that's what he deserves. He got his just desserts. Emerging into the caravan's main room, I bought witness to smash glass, shattered lighting and bloody smears covering just about every available inch of floor. The general crime scene aesthetic <laughs> coupled with an icy breeze billowing in from where John had tumbled through the window <laughs> saw the place entirely uninhabitable. 
I stood aghast for a short while, barely able to fathom just how no one ended up hospitalized or dead <laughs> before assessing my options moving forward. Accepting the defeat, I retired to the mostly intact left-hand caravan, despite it housing the very people that caused all of this mess. Tentatively stepping across the caravan's threshold, I was hit with a powerful double barrel of stale urine and stale beer, causing me to reel slightly while stifling an involuntary gag. Terrible miasma aside, its occupants were at least all unconscious, meaning I'd finally be able to get some uninterrupted shut-eye. Squeezing onto a mattress with two other people, I used their body heat to stave off the violent shivers, finally slipping into largely unbroken slumber. I awoke the following morning to find my legs had gone completely numb, both from being trapped in place for hours and a deep chill which had crept in overnight. I looked around to find most others still very much spark out. I was able to rouse a miffed blundle, asking why the caravan smelled so rank. It's transpired that this lad Jason had urinated on him overnight for what seemed like no good reason what? whatsoever. What? The plot thickened. It was actually a revenge ploy for Blundell doing it to Jason first, albeit on a far smaller, less soaking scale. Overcooking his retribution, Jason had emptied an entire bladder's worth of over pretty much everything in his general vicinity, Fucking which hell. explained the awful stench. <laughs> I sensed a running theme of people urinating over sleeping implements that evening though wasn't shying letting my opinion be known. After dubbing them both filthy animals, I took leave of this surreal, nightmarish caravan site, the bike ride home serving to remedy my stiff joints and soured mood, at least. I arrived home to find Zig had somehow beaten it back, probably after waking up in his own cold piss and embarking on an arduous walk of shame. It transpired that an unknown prankster had smeared red pesto all over him as he slept. <laughs> <laughs> Dried bits of which still clung to the rather expensive Heli Hansen jacket he'd borrowed from my dad. <laughs> Suffice it to say, father was less than impressed, especially considering the garment's high value, though I did little to mask my amusement, seeing it as comeuppance for Zig being a mattress soiling Burke. He didn't recall doing such a thing whatsoever, resulting in my mockery being somewhat ill-received, though a short recap did see him sheepishly and apologetically back down. It should go without saying, but both caravans became off-limits following that evening. <laughs> with Tim's dad no doubt going spare once witnessing all the destruction and bodily fluids. Fuck's sake. What happened to them? Did they get burnt and then replaced? The farm in general seemed to be fair game though, as I guess it's more difficult to irreparably fuck up a bunch of trees. However, I'm sure the likes of John could <laughs> and most likely did challenge that probability. <laughs> there we go. Jesus Christ. Fucking carnage. Yeah, well, that's not a boring story, is it, everyone? Were you bored last week? Well, guess what? That was a fucking story and a half, wasn't it? And speaking of stories and a half, we got a big chat this week. We've hinted at it quite a few times, actually, during this entire episode. So this week's big chat is about the country versus city living. Having both had experience of living and or working both, we are going to discuss the merits and drawbacks of urban and rural life. There doesn't really have to be a winner as such for this conversation, but it'll be a good chance to chat shit about our experiences. We have both straddled the fence of urban and rural culture throughout... Culture? Culture. Culture. Throughout our many years on this doomed planet, but we should agree that both have their merits and shortcomings alike. So why not waffle on a bit about city and country life? So as usual, we've broken it down into 
sections, which I thought this was going to be a brief big chat, but I can already see from my notes that it's going <laughs> to it's going to take up the next hour. I hope you liked the previous episode, which was one hour and twenty something minutes long, because this is probably going to be closer to two hours. Right. So I thought that we'd start with living. Yes. Living. And this has actually been broken down into even smaller subcategories for your amusement. Right, you've lived in bumfuck nowhere, and now you live in a town, so yeah. that's basically the same thing. Well, when I was much, much younger, I, I lived in a city, but we can kind of discount that because I barely even made any memories, so it doesn't fucking matter. But yeah, pretty much my entire adult life, I've lived in a one-horse town, and before that, it was countryside and... How many horses are in the countryside? At least three. 3.4. One's the door handle. So uh, we are generation rent because fucking hell, <laughs> getting on the market is difficult. Mm. But for me, I think with the living situation, I've lived in the countryside, I've lived in the city, and now I live in Nottingham, which is neither and both. Yeah, you're in, you're in a city though. Pretty much. So uh, strangely, Kent isn't as cheap as one would expect if you're not from Kent, especially if you rent. It's got the problem of being way too close to the capital and also close to the continent, so its convenience helps it be expensive it's lots of people want to live around here so i'd say out of the two well if you're broke anywhere is a bad place to live because it's always expensive but yeah, yeah. i think you've got the in some ways city living or at least sort of urban living has the convenience of things are slightly closer to you and there's more availability you don't have to rely on crap public transport or <laughs> or having to the worst cycle 15 miles anywhere without any lights on your bike for example or cycle 11 miles on a come down for instance yeah <laughs> our country living has been in places which have been reasonably expensive yeah i agree like it's unfair to compare anywhere in the uk to london because london's always going to be that astronomical yeah i mean i spoke before how much i've well not explicitly i suppose but that hinted that the one bedroom apartment in london costs more than it costs for most of my rent and bills combined here in a fucking three bedroom house mm. with a massive garden <laughs> it's just insane uh the people i know who live in london is like yeah we share it with three people and it's like a three bed flat uh, and it's still 800 quid for me on my own like fucking hell it's horrible yeah. like i don't know how i did it for like a year and a bit that was enough we look at other expenses food and booze really it's just like they're around the same no matter where you go yeah. if you go to shops but i do recall the time we went to central london the time we went to central london <laughs> And we went to a pub near Charing Cross. Mm. And I was absolutely shocked at the fact that we got two pints of cider and it came to over a tenner in 2014. <laughs> I was just like, what the fuck? I'm not even phased by the fact that a two pints these days is like 12 quid. I'm like, yeah, whatever. That's London. Fuck it. Yeah, but now post-COVID, that's Nottingham as well. That's what you pay. It's so expensive. Now everywhere has to mark up for the fact that they lost nearly two years of business, mm. pretty much. I understand it now, but in London, yeah. it's just cheat mode activated, isn't it? A capital of any country is going to be just the most expensive. It's just always going to be like that. But it's there's so much going on, and there's so much thing things you could potentially do. But like anything, you need to be you need to have the money to be able to appreciate it. I think the country and the city really has the same that same problem that you can't be poor in either. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter where you go. It's just England. I remember the Swan Pub in Wittisham before it got like double gentrified in like, okay. 2007 it got refurbed into like a more of a bistro and then in between then and after i moved out it got turned into just a gourmet burger and pie place that was only open a few hours a day a few days a week and it was even more gentrified and i don't think they're doing very well now i wonder why i wonder why but before that it cost one pound 89 for a pint of bitter i mean if you like bitter but like even like lager cost two pound 20 two pound 30 it was weatherspoons prices but it was a 
privately owned pub. Yeah. Like you could go out and get pissed on 20 quid easily and have food. Yeah, Ties onions about that. Oh, you could do that these days. So. <laughs> yeah, but this is only like 10 years ago. It was 10 years is still a long time. Remember that was 20 fucking 12. Yeah, but on that same stroke, you know, you went to London, you would pay like nearly twice that. So that was the divide back then. Yeah. But the gap has closed a little bit more now, mm. I think. Mm. Nowadays, it costs a lot no matter where you live. But if you want to save on rent, don't go to London. Come to Nottingham. Come to Nottingham. You just don't live in the South where there's all the jobs. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the jobs. Yeah. We'll get to that. If you don't need to earn money to exist, then live anywhere else apart from... Or, or if you've got more money than God, then just do whatever you like. Just buy half of London. Buy half of London. If I had more money than God, I'd buy Mars. Everyone knows this, and I'm trying to colonise it. I don't care. I'll just buy it just to say I own it. Elon Musk, eat your ego out. Buy it to own it, but then also ban Elon Musk from ever going anywhere near it. Well, no, because it will start a bidding war, and if he can outbid what I expect from him then i will probably be richer than him because he would have almost bankrupt himself just to say that he owns a planet in the solar system and that's how we win and then I'll, I'll distribute the wealth and then cause a massive upheaval in the economy just give people money and just just watch literally society collapse money is made up anyway so that's yeah. fun let's move on to the next point which is your friendly neighborhood neighbors so you, you always got the option of bullshit neighbors wherever you live i think yep. i think the main difference is in a, in a country setting where there's nothing else to fucking do people get become like grade a curtain twitches and uh, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and everyone knows your business whereas you're fully aware of this in london like you might be surrounded by people but you are completely alone mm-hmm. i mean the only interaction i have with my neighbors <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> that was literally the only time a neighbor has talked to me is to tell us to shut up because you were laughing too loud yeah my bad at 10 p.m on a saturday because she had work in the morning and she had a kid it was like well i would know this if you had a conversation with me once in a while and then we would have been more courteous but never mind never mind uh, to be honest right the countryside was no better because i don't like making small talk to neighbors <laughs> I, th- I find it it almost physically hurts to have mm. to make small talk taking psychological damage so compare that london interaction to wittisham where everyone would know your business and insist on monologuing at you when you're just trying to have a quiet reflective bonfire in your back garden jesus christ dan shut up because we had this guy called dan who was in his 30s and he had like three kids and he used to come out to smoke weed in his garden because that was the only reprieve he had because he had three kids yeah my younger brother just turned 18 and it that's when he crashed his motorbike and mm. severely injured his hand almost completely removed his thumb yeah that was that was not fun like i needed to do the bonfire anyway and i was just having a quiet reflective few hours because that's how i was processing and he just comes on and goes Oh, you're burning stuff. That's well random. Is that, well, it's not, is it? It's a calculated thing. It's not random. The entire time he was there, I felt on edge. And then when he left, I felt calm again. So on the flip side, I actually it sounds like I prefer when people just don't speak to me. <laughs> and as you know, I've got the most disruptive loud neighbours in the world at the moment. Until they move out or whatever. Fun fact, I got woke up at three in the morning today by them doing this. Knocking on each other's doors at three in the morning. Why? Like just constantly rapping. And then, then the person whose door they were knocking on was screaming, just leave me alone, I'll try to sleep. And I was like, well, I'm awake now. So I've been awake since three in the morning, everyone. And then I started drinking at 11, which actually <laughs> makes it a sensible time of day to drink <laughs> based on the time I woke up. <laughs> Jesus. My neighbours around here have been uh, more than fine and barely hear them. The other side of the wall behind, I'm sure you can hear me occasionally. I can hear him sort of laughing at, people playing games i think yeah your mileage always varies it's just when you have those misery ass awful neighbors that clearly don't care that they're making everyone else's life worse for them existing they're the people well they're the people that you don't want in your life anyway it's even worse you have to live near or next to them and they probably raise their eyebrows when you start hooting in laughter or something that i've said before your uncontrollable laughter is i i love it when my friends 
no matter whom they are. Like you have a distinctive laugh. Ross has a distinctive laugh. Peanut has a distinctive laugh. Mm. Their laugh makes me happy. Like I think it's just laughter. I'm just a laughter addict. <laughs> just try and make people laugh, which is kind of why you know why we started this podcast because we like to make each other laugh and sometimes our friends. Sometimes. But you know, as long as you're not maniacal, and you don't make people fear for others' safety. So speaking of that, so <laughs> how safe have you felt? Not just in your house, but in the general area in which you live. Here, fine. It's there's nothing wrong with around here. No, no one's gonna do anything weird to me. It's so, so <laughs> there's money around here, so it's not scary at all. Ashford, it's where the money at. Well, this part of Ashford's not the scary bit. It's it's no Kennington or Stanhope. Stanhope is actually a little bit better now, isn't it? Is it better? It's not the it's not either of the acres. Oh, I forgot about the acres. Nine acres. Nine acres is where my stepdad grew, grew up, and he said it was fucking horrendous. The nines and twelves, yeah, they're, they're somewhere. Newtown's not so great either. You can almost tell by the name of the district that they give it. For instance, I've talked about it before, but imagine you you've not been to Nottingham, and when I say would you like to go to St. Anne's? What does that conjure? <laughs> the way you say it just kind of pre-hints at the fact that I should say no. Also, the Meadows, which sounds lovely, but it has the highest fucking crime rate in the entire of central Nottingham. Jesus. It's right next to the river as well. Oh, yeah. So you thought it'd be lovely, but nope. Easy way of getting rid of evidence. It's very rough around there. Mm. Like, I wouldn't want to live there. Yeah. And I don't, so yay. On my side, I've been quite fortunate due to owning very few valuables i suppose monetarily so and i kind of look like i live in a shit tip anyway because our front <laughs> garden's always got like shit in it so i think robbers tend to stay away from us but saying that i've had a bike that's been stolen when i lived in stenton mm. and i know people close to me that have had their motorbikes stolen i think i see news on facebook about people's motorbikes being stolen in the midlands more than anywhere else and that's not because i'm friends with people in the midlands more than anywhere else i've just noticed it more perhaps mm. both both bikes and motorbikes are relatively easy to steal that's the thing that's why i don't want to get a motorbike i don't want to own one because it will just get immediately nicked and then that's the end of it also they are crotch rockets of death as well that yeah. also puts me off there riding in winter other road users like anyone else the fact that a reasonable amount of maintenance you'd have to sort of keep up on a bike for it to keep going to a degree. The gear you have to wear all the time as well. Oh yeah, that that's a ball lake, isn't it? It's just yeah. like you can't, like for instance, you can hop into a car and go down the shops. Like I have to gear up, then hop onto my bike, then go to the shops, then make sure it's chained up to somewhere so it doesn't get nicked while I go to the shops for five minutes, if that. Yeah. Conversely, my parents' car stereo was robbed back in Kent. Old school. It was my uncle. He's a piece of shit. Oh. And then he, he got scared and dumped it down the road and then we knew it was him. The difference is not crime, it's anonymity so the culprits in Wittershire were usually the usual suspects yeah because i was related to half of them <laughs> but cities are so densely populated it seems easier for thieves to kind of just disappear mm. i have no idea who stole my bike like i have absolutely no idea i couldn't even tell you there was no one dodgy hanging around at the time or anything i couldn't put pin it down at all it's probably someone saw a, a situation they could take advantage of and they just did the thing is it was in a shed it wasn't just laying out anyway it was in my shed oh. in my back garden <laughs> okay so they fence hopped and stole it and then because i lived in a terrace back then they yeah. just went through the gates and just tried the door got in took it our neighbor on the left side they had a really low wall so they didn't have a fence so mm. they just hopped over the fence and their house was the one that had the alleyway down it yeah overall i'd say i felt safer in Wittershire just because of the lighter population and the familiarity of everyone when i was in london i did worry a lot about getting mugged late at night when i was on the way back from places mm. to the point where if i see like a group of people 
I would cross the road and just try and avoid them. Yeah. It doesn't matter who they were. I was just like, they could have just been coming back from the pub or whatever. I was just like, just avoid any confrontation to be on the safe side. But that almost never happened in Kent. Not even in Ashford, in fact. Avon ladies were something else, though. You know, you couldn't get rid of them. When they're at your front door, they would try to sell you that shit. So we get a mixture of Jehovah's Witnesses occasionally. Also Mormons, because there's a Mormon church just down the road. Actually, we're quantum Presbyterians. <laughs> a month or so ago, maybe six weeks ago, someone at her knocked on the door and was like, oh, is that the post it was when i was working from upstairs i went downstairs and it was two fucking like 21 year old mormons it's like would you like to come to church i'm like no thank you i have a meeting in three minutes bye do you see me i'm amish leave me alone (laughs) children please what have you got to tell me about living it's that i'm in my 30s i i'm very cynical leave me alone yeah the world can be a pretty scary place all kinds of threats to your safety looming around every corner At least your home should be a haven from all this chaos. After all, one's castle should be proof from infestation by thieves, cold callers, and slightly annoying neighbours. Neighbours who never seem to get the hint that you just want to go back indoors, watch TV, and eat your own body weight in beige foods, wearing nothing much more than your pants. Sure, house alarms are good and all, but are they really enough? You and your home deserve more defence than some screeching box which will mildly irritate people at best and get entirely ignored at worst. Introducing B-Safe Security, the world's first entirely organic, sustainable, effective, natural deterrent for all those threats to your peace of mind, your peace and quiet, on your piece of land. Our carefully calibrated detection units ceaselessly scan for any and all threats within a certain radius of your homestead, unleashing swarms of trained bees at targets. You won't be seeing those Avon ladies again in a hurry. Our experts will carefully strap the device to your roof and before long the only sounds you'll hear will be the distant screams of your foes and the gentle humming of a bee swarm. As an added bonus, you'll receive a regular supply of honey carefully oozing down your walls. Be safe security, because it is better to be safe than to not have bees. From Mormons to actual jobs, working in the city and working in the country, yeah. I, I believe you've done both. Yeah, so the first and biggest one is commuting, I think, that we need to smash right in the, in the head of that because, oh boy, do we have stories about commuting. Well, that's the thing is, commuting's easy if you can afford it. Mm-hmm. So like my current job, I, my train's expensive, but I get into work quicker than some people that live third of the distance from work because i've got a convenient route it's just that it's expensive right okay from door to door how long would would you say it takes you it takes me an hour and five minutes wow okay well this leads me into my story about living in wittisham and working in tenderden which ladies and gentlemen is not even five miles buses were awful (laughs) and are indeed awful in kent yeah so prior to owning a car i would cycle which would take 25 to 31 minutes or walk which would take an hour and 20 minutes it took a while but it wasn't actually that stressful because there was no one around, except for at Summer Hill, where you thought you were going to die every time you heard a car. You've got the problem there's not a lot of places for people to walk on those roads. Largely, I just used to pop my headphones in and mm. just, which is really dangerous, yeah. um, listen to like usually an Opeth album or something, and yeah. then I'll be at uh... work. So I didn't mind that so much, but obviously London's transport availability is way better. Yes. Like, you are not going to be stranded anywhere in London at any point. You know, there's trains, buses, and taxis in, in order of priority, I would say. Bikes you can borrow. Oh, yeah, the you... Boris bike. We like to call Boris bikes anyway. <laughs> but there's there's other other companies that do them. If if you've got the app, you can just get Uber. It's just really oh yeah, the Uber if, is like I think I moved out of London just before Uber properly took off as yeah. well. Like it was around, but it wasn't like let's Uber. It was Uber was the second option back then. Yeah, which has pissed off a lot of cabbies actually. Mm. So 
You've also got the fact that actually a lot of Zone 1 is almost, a lot of it's walkable. If you could be bothered to do it. The tube lies to you, ladies and gentlemen. That's not equidistant stops. No. They are. Not. Is it two minutes between each stop on median if you travel on the tube? But it's usually only a 10 minute walk across. There's a lot of train journeys which are just easier to be done as walks. Yeah, because um, as it Charing Cross to Tottenham Court, right, it goes kind of round like that and mm. you can just walk down Oxford Street and you're there. Yeah, I've got that problem that trains can only go around corners at a certain arc. Very steady gradient. Yeah. yeah. They can only go up and down a certain gradient. They can only go around a certain uh, sort of curvature because that's just the physical limits of the vehicle. That so, is why Covent Garden is horrible <laughs> if you take the steps all the way up. Yeah, because it's really deep. It's because it can't go uphill. So, well, that high anyway. Yeah. Not that gradient. There's an equally ridiculous station I've, I've used a couple of times. Near where I am, Mornington Crescent, that's got like 90 steps. That's pretty ridiculous. Bellsize Park is also equally ridiculous it's, it's a similar like 90 odd step so i've done bellsize park a couple of times and it's like whew, that was a walk did you only get off a bellsize park because of the innuendo it's like what's your bell size uh, no, just as well as no cock fosters as well cock people that don't know how commuting in london works won't really understand those puns but that's fine like i've said before i paid a stupid amount of money for a travel card yeah. just to get to work and it was a lot of my salary that was just on travel yeah so it's not fun. TLDR, you won't get stranded, but you have to pay the troll toll yeah. if you want to get somewhere. A long time ago when I used to work near near Beverston. Is that the guitar shop? Yeah. Sorry. There was no real way of getting there. So the bus would drop you off uh, like a mile away or something. It's the closest the bus would get. So And then you had to walk down a, a twisty country road which had no pavement at all. It was just road. I've done that before yeah. as well, yeah. It's not a good route. It's psychotic. It's just like, this is not fun in any way, shape or form. I don't want to be fearing my life just having to go to fucking work. So yeah, I sort of understand your um, your personal experience of going to Tenton from Wittersham. I would say that Nottingham is a healthy mix of the two because most places are within a reasonable walking distance. It's got a good bus and tram network. Yeah, and for everything else, like you said, there's Uber. Yeah. So whatever or just drunkenly stumble home it only takes me 30 minutes to go from town centre to home on foot but so. I did notice that when I didn't have my car one time I came up that pretty much anything you want to go to is about half hour away yeah there was that time that you decided to walk around for hours I had to walk you home <laughs> no that time that you knocked on my door at 6 in the morning yeah. and I was obviously asleep was that the time you had to walk me home it wasn't the same night Oh, God. And then I answered the door at 7, 7.30 in the morning and you just looked the most fed up I've ever seen you. <laughs> just like, By that point, I was. I was like, Alex, would you like to come in? Yes. <laughs> just immediately passed out on the sofa. Like an idiot when I actually got to your house at more like 4 in the morning, I didn't knock on the door because I was like, but they're asleep. Danielle would have been up because she was busy dragging me back into bed after falling off the toilet. <laughs> me falling off the toilet. Anyway, jobs. You mentioned jobs earlier yeah. where all the jobs are in the South. So do you still find that to be true where everything that you need is in the South or, or in London? What, Pretty much, you know? yeah, where I am because I'm now in a, a very much a commuter town. Everything is, you work in London. There are some jobs around Kent, but there, there's definitely a lot more of them in London. If you want to work in retail, there's the designer outlet, which is great because it's got hundreds of shops. But um, if you want something a bit more special, you're going to have to go somewhere else uh, yeah. which is what I learned because after uni it did my head in having to return to Kent because I couldn't afford to live in London and failing to acquire my actual avenue of employment so I went to WH Smith which was terrible mm. but saying that deep in the countryside one of my first jobs I've done the paper round was uh, a, like a full time five days a week job was apple picking what that taught me was to never fuck with wasps basically <laughs> they, they're not your friend i mean london has the most opportunities if you're willing to take that leap 
which I did, but it produced mixed results. I mean, oh, it was good for a few months because I, I was an in-house freelance designer, but then when the work dried up, I was like, well, now what? I really struggled to find other work mm. because I only had that on my CV, I suppose. And they're like, well, you've only worked for one place. So, but then I moved into print design through... I was like, because the only reason I went into print is because they asked for like experience in the Adobe Creative Suite. I was yeah. like, I can do that. And then it turns out I'm all right at printing stuff. And now that's what I do as a career in Nottingham, which is, it's all right. <laughs> it's all right. It's, it's a living. Yeah. It's a living. Yeah. It, it pays the bills and allows me to go out and drink or yeah. stay inside and drink. Is that not somewhat the point of a career? Enable you to exist because that's how our system works. Well, that's just how jobs work, isn't it? Just mm. like, I could not work part-time ever again in my life. And on that same note, no retail ever again. Because my fucking God. I mean, before we get to that, I'd like to say that Nottingham is great if you want to work in the service or fashion industries just because of the insane amount of fucking opportunities there are. Mm. But if, do you, if you want to be in construction, architecture and engineering as well, but there aren't really many print shops left so if i wanted to move on i would be stepping down essentially because we are for better or worse one of the most long-standing print shops in, in the midlands so yay anyway have you worked in a customer facing job ever alex in your life my entire career has been customer facing oh yeah boy yeah, yeah i thought it was mostly um not nope so yeah okay i like yourself done retail done as just casual work Here's a bit of money. Oh, I'm fucking around in my early, my late teens, early 20s, going, what the fuck am I doing myself? But uh, moving into doing IT support and then the various other things I've done since then, they've all been customer facing to a greater or lesser degree. Just that sometimes, you, well, nowadays, my customers are their internal employees rather than being a another organization. I've always had to do that, but obviously different than retail. You don't have to necessarily deal with the same shit, but it's similar. Retail is really a vertical slice of the best and worst of humanity because you get everybody in. Yeah. With uh, B2B, it's much simpler um, because you're just dealing with... Not to say that it's entirely smooth because there are incompetent people within businesses, as I'm sure you're aware. Yeah, people that work in business is also a good portion of the people that would go into a shop anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's a different kind like... Because, I mean, I'm professional, but I'm pretty blunt in my emails sometimes where Mm. I'm just like, this is wrong, you need to send us the right file. If you did that to a student, they'd get very upset and go, oh, but I worked on this and my tutors and it was fine. Uh, But if you talk to a design team at a company that knows what they're doing, like, yeah, apologies, here's the right file. And then so they're okay with it. They're more humble. Yeah. But the general public are something else. Wow. <laughs> like, I, I'm not going to go right into it because that's going to be very, very long. There's <laughs> a big old list that is. You know, I worked in Tesco when I was at college and it was all right because I had a all right shift pattern. Yeah. It was like three days a week, Monday, Tuesday and Saturday. So I only had Sunday off during that time. Bloody hell. That's crazy, is it? Because it was Wednesday, Thursday, Friday was uh, college. Yeah. And then Sunday was the only day I had off. That's mental when you come to think of it. You were much younger, so it didn't quite hit the same way. Uh, yeah, I could drink around that. There was that time at uh, Tony's birthday party where I had to get up at five in the morning to ride to work and get there for eight with my guitar and my amp and everything on my back. And it was insane. That was a good party, actually. Apart from that hamster or whatever was in his brother's room that just kept making that noise. That was fucking annoying. But anyway, I'll never work in retail again because it is soul-destroying. And I, I, I urge you, if you work in retail and you don't enjoy it, there are a lot of other opportunities out there. And it means that you can spend your time with your friends, which brings us to our next point, the social and leisure aspects of living in the city and the countryside alike. Like I mentioned previously, city life's always going to have more 
opportunities to do stuff because they're things that's closer or more likely to be able to get to them reasonably like there's a train or a bus or your own feet or a bicycle or whatever that'll take you to this nice place that serves interesting cocktails where they blow smoke into them or some bullshit but can you afford it is always the problem again (laughs) that's the trade-off yeah everything's fine so long as you can afford it in the country you might have your incredibly cheap boozer but that's about it or you boozer set things on fire and your neighbor talks at you for the next 25 minutes i said like to break it down like they're making the friends and spending time with people it's speaks more to my youth more than the location but the countryside certainly offered more opportunity for friendship building than london because as we said london is a lonely place yeah nottingham has been really good to me in that respect because i've made a lot of friends in nottingham and they're all great just because your experience of london was that it was very lonely it doesn't mean that every urban environment is going to be the same it's just uh, london is more so than anywhere else you can still make friends as adults that tends to be you can make friends with the people you work with is one of the slim avenues i've made friends with gary even shirley to some extent even though she's 60 years old she's mm. still cool she comes out and has a beer with us on fridays yeah but it's like social situations or hobbies and stuff like that again if you've got the opportunity to do them there's more more chance of meeting people and socializing all those kinds of things are going to be limited in in countryside settings because the population density isn't there for them to be viable no that i totally agree but again that's just like that's just a side effect of the countryside yeah. isn't it really but if you're if you're happy with walking around places that look pretty and that's that's kind of your thing then countryside's going to always be out cities because country be pretty yeah, country is pretty and that's what i think nottingham straddles the good line between is um you know i look at the bottom of my garden there's beautiful conifers that just barricade the horrible urban industrial backdrop mm. and it's just it fools you into thinking yeah this is nice but then down the road not 20 minutes on foot or like five minutes it's near the big tesco yeah is that huge bestwood country park mm. which you can completely use yourself in and just and then you're not even that far from like peak district so you're in a good mm. spot uh we went to the peaks the other year instead of bloodstock didn't we that yeah. was wonderful i still have to edit that video <laughs> oh god i'll get onto it all right uh it'd be a podcast break and you know me i can't stop working so i just i'll probably end up doing loads of video editing instead so things to do like pub cinema clubs raves etc running around in fields perhaps no fewer and further between kent had its moments like the homelands gigs for instance you remember them you ever go homelands a couple of times drunken clubbing usually ironically if you remember <laughs> us graduating to liquid a few times that's out of want of anything else to do precisely all very memorable moments but their rarity basically obliged you to attend mm. because you're like well oh fuck there's nothing else to do but london was really good for raves oh my god but it's a shame because by their very nature they're very elusive so back in the slightly more wild west days of facebook they used to sort of announce a rave but they wouldn't tell you where it is and Mm. they'll give you a number they'll dm you a number to call the day the rave is happening so they could tell you where the rave's happening because police would get involved otherwise but i think when i was in london i went to the cinema more than clubs because cinemas pretty much the same price where no matter where you go and clubs especially nightclubs are so expensive like they want like 11 12 quid for you just to get in jeez it's just like what the fucking hell man but i think overall nottingham is the winner for me because there's no shortage of shit to do so it means you feel less guilty if you decide to miss out which i have every now and then Mm. where you just like something will happen next week so it's okay so you don't feel obliged to go to the thing even if you're mentally not ready to go to the thing Mm. so i think it's a much healthier balance in that regard arguably you could say the same for london but again you need that cash money you need to be able to afford that let's end this particular sub segment on 
the loneliness or fulfillment you'll feel in either of those situations. I think these things also do depend on the kind of person you are. If you need a lot of people around you, if you can find a, a group of people that you're that works for you, if it's just you just need your family around you and you live in a country, then you're all good. But conversely, mm-hmm. if you need a big, diverse group of people to be around all the time, then you might not find that in a country setting because there's just not enough people. But then again, it, it could also be that, like school, you're just make do so to speak with the people around you in either situation in either either environment you can find a a fulfilling life limited by things like what how much you earn how much spare time you've got so on and so forth and conversely if you don't find those things either of them can also be incredibly lonely yeah i guess it depends how comfortable you are spending time with yourself i mean Mm. when i was just living in wichita like pre-uni days i was like okay this is this is just how it is you see your friends every now and then and then you just kind of spend a lot of time by yourself yeah wichita was somewhat bereft of companionship a lot of the time so i used to go on long hikes through the woods and stuff which would alleviate because it gives you time to think and Mm de-stress and like you said countryside be pretty so you're just like wow okay it definitely helps but when I'm, I moved to London for uni and I was just suddenly surrounded by all these like-minded people and it was crazy and it was almost overwhelming in a sense. But then I had to move back to Kent again and it was such a jarring juxtaposition. I missed I missed it. I was just like, shit, what do I do? Yeah. Like, it's terrible. But when I moved back to London again, it can kind of be a bit of a depressing place at times. I mean, as much as there is that potential, there's it's never ending. It is a relentless place. There's no chill. Yeah. But... Like going on long walks in London is, although nice, it can be fraught with risks. So you're kind of on edge slightly. It's just like, well, is something crazy or random going to happen? And you're just like, I don't, I, didn't, I never felt truly relaxed when I was walking through London, mm. except that one time I took mushrooms and walked through London. But I was only relaxed because I was distracted. <laughs> <laughs> so there wasn't. That's not a true reflection of yeah. what London's like. Don't take drugs and walk around by yourself. Just don't walk around London. It's ill-advised. We've abridged it to that. Don't walk around London. Don't walk. Just don't. There you go. Don't. don't. London. Don't. But shall we move on to the people? Sure. The people. Oh, the people. Do you know what I was surprised, actually? You didn't include the song. Big city life. Me try forget my pressure now ease up no matter how hard me try. Big city life in my heart have no base. And right now Babylon dip on me case. I don't know what you're going on about. Ah, uh, it's absolute fucking banger. When I started writing this segment, I was thinking about the, the song Big City Life. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's not a song I know. Oh, really? So, people. Well, you're going to find all sorts everywhere. Well, the licorice or otherwise. Quite. Bertie Bassett will come and uh, rough you up and piss in your pockets. What I think is always an advantage, and there are people that are like, just some bullshit elitist liberal dickhead. Admiring the sort of multicultural melting pot that is, especially London. You can meet so many people from different backgrounds and different cultures, and from moment to moment, there's, there's all these things, all these potential things you could be uh, experiencing and understanding, where yeah, if you live in a country like everyone's white, everyone's a pretty much, it's like a homogenous group of people. They're like, okay, we're all the same, great. But the thing is, if somebody from another culture or an ethnicity moves into the countryside, that is the talking point and it should never be the case. Yeah. But it's suddenly like, look, it's someone that's not us. And it's suddenly like, it's weird. It's a generational thing. And I've noticed it with several friends' mums. They feel the need when they're describing somebody that they've just met, they always mention their race if they're not white. It's just like, oh, yeah, I met this guy, black. It's like, why did you need to say that he was black? Like, there's no need to tell Mm. us the race of the person you're talking about because it's not relevant to what you're doing to describe them. You could just leave that bit out and we'll still get the same from this story that you're telling. It's because countryside, we are all fucking pale ass milk toast white people who are farmers with terrible tans on our shoulders. And I, I find that kind of multicultural thing 
is is a good thing and i, I enjoy that mm. and it means you you do sometimes meet some very interestingly strange people. Cities also do accumulate the very strange people. Working in Camden yes. is just one example of the, a group of people that just are very, very odd. But odd people are everywhere. They just seem to concentrate in certain parts of the world. Yeah, there's the same volume of odd people, but they're just denser in certain places. Mm. Saying about the general mood and vibe, I do find, because London is so dense, a lot of the time, most people just don't even want to look at each other. It's almost like a sensory overload, especially on the tube. You're like, do anything to avoid eye contact. Yeah. Do not look at anyone else. You have to sort of develop this kind of like thousand yard stare where you're staring past the window yeah. and just outside. And everyone has that. Uh, like your regular commuters are, but like, you see the visitors that only go there twice a year and they're like bunny rabbits. They yeah. don't know what to do. You can tell them almost immediately, but it's a thing that they found from people doing a lot of video conferencing that you get stressed mm. out by all of these eyes just constantly looking yeah. at you. It's a, it's it, it builds up the sort of your stress responses because of it. So the same thing in London, the, that kind of density of people, you have to have those mechanisms of being able to shut out the world and everyone staring at you and stuff. This is why I listen to music everywhere because I get sensory overload with sounds on the way to work and yeah. stuff. So I just like to block that out and, it, and I reach a sort of state of calm almost. Yeah, because it, you have this sort of this air gap between you and the outside world because you've got your headphones on and you're not, you're not having to hear everything all around you all the time. It's too much. And I found I did that less in the countryside because it's so peaceful. Yeah. It's just listening to just nature is, yeah, I'm a bumpkin at heart. But there are some folk that are friendly in London, but because there are so many people, you maybe they're harder to come by because just because there are so many people, not because there are fewer of them. It's just because density and shit. I will say I don't miss is, is like we may have touched upon before is the whole cliquey sort of countryside everyone knows your business shit mm, yeah no thanks like Wittersham isn't a big village by any means no. but it's at least almost a mile from end to end someone on one end if you do something it will go via the pub and then everyone will know your business and then but it will go you know hyperbole through increased contact with people so you end up with a different story at it's, the end of the line than you do the it's, start it's a, it's a game of telephone from the general gossiping because the people don't have anything yeah, better to do your neighbours can be very spiteful as well I I do have an example. My good friend Ross used to live opposite the road to me. Mm. His mum wanted to park her car on her own property. The back of her property used to face out to sort of like some parking garages for certain access road. Yeah. But she didn't want to pay for the rent for the garages. So she had my dad install double gates that opened into her back garden so yeah. she could park her car. Next door neighbour was like, I'm friends with the council. You can't create an access route for your thing. And he made such a fuss about it. For years and years, he just kept railing against this whole fact that she could park on her own property for no reason other than the fact that he was just a bored 60-something-year-old. Miserable old <laughs> Just leave her alone. It was horrible. And it's mm. just stressed her the fuck out. I think that's part of the reason why she was very glad when Ross said, I want to go to Nottingham to study she's like okay i get to get away from this idiot <laughs> yes yeah, going back to bad neighbors people feeling like they had that you owe them something like you owe them an easy life at the expense of your life it's like no no, no it doesn't fucking work like that yeah exactly though no, sorry we've got our own lives how about you keep to yourself yeah and we will live our lives and never the twain shall have to meet you're just making it your business because our houses are connected via one wall yeah pretty much if you're jealous of my fucking parking why don't you do it yourself you miserable old asshole don't moan at me forever just because you're friends with the council doesn't mean anything thinking about it he had double gates that led into his property where he'd park his car as well so i don't know what the fuck he was on about yeah anyway the only solace i can take is the fact that he's probably dead now so <laughs> okay but uh conversely city types they do keep more to themselves in that regard but they can be quite stubborn and won't back down if they think they're in the right. 
which can be a little bit intimidating at times. I don't have a true example of that, but have you had any bizarre encounters with the public or like randos? <laughs> Just that would be it, quite enlightening. Or it seems like it hasn't been for a while, but when I used to do a lot of travel for work or even not just just be out in the street people seemingly think i know how to give people directions same what the fuck it's just like oh, okay this guy knows where things yeah. are i'm like somewhere random and like tourists in london be like can you tell us where the m&m's shop is and i'm like uh it's that way i think that reminds me like we were outside the cinema the other day to see doctor strange and the multiverse of madness which i endorse and you should go see because it's good someone asked us where the nearest nando's was <laughs> and i was like i have not been to a nando since 2012 so i yeah. was like uh, don't know this is time i was in Derry, and a man stopped his car near me and started asking for directions and i was like i've only been in this town for like one day and also i have no idea what you're saying because he was just incredibly irish i'm just like i'm sorry but i don't know I just don't know. In Kent, I think I had more people approaching me, but for different reasons. Mm. Like as a teen, I walked from A to B and then usually get like approached by chavs jeering at me, intimidating me or challenging me to fight them. Uh, that's not exactly a positive experience, but conversely no. in London, I've just been walking along and people have just started talking at me, but it's ended up to be really enlightening and memorable. I yeah. got invited to a karaoke bar at 2am in Soho once when I was walking <laughs> back to the bus. That was fun. And there was this French lady who started boasting about being a power lifter. She had quite muscly arms. Yes. She taught me how to say the little green man in French because we were waiting for the um, the land. Is that le petit bonhomme vert? And just like things like that. And then she added me on Facebook and we were talking for a while. I was like, that's just weird. <laughs> just like, but also fun. Like, uh, But there was also that time I was in a McDonald's and someone approached me and they were holding a red pepper. And they said, <laughs> how about you eat this instead of a McDonald's? I think they were like, delivery taking the piss on their students i was like no yeah. i'm all right I've, I've got my double cheeseburger on the way and they got really angry with me and it's like we well, clearly don't want to adopt a vegetarian lifestyle and stormed out and i was just like, like that was weird this is not a way of convincing people one raw pepper is not really the way to go about it the thing is like a year late two years later i did indeed become vegetarian i don't think that was the catalyst but <laughs> no. that's a weird way of doing it like, well, i planted the seed somehow <laughs> yeah i think we've all had moments of who the fuck is this and we've like, would you like some bombay mix yeah yeah i was gonna i was gonna reference the whole would you like some bombay mix uh. i think in nottingham i get more like homeless folk approaching me which is kind of more depressing than anything if you think about it because mm. homelessness is the thing i carry with me a, a guilt ladies and gentlemen because yesterday i was on a mission to meet my partner from work i was listening to music he stood in front of me stopped me and like instructed me to take my headphones out and then he gave me the whole spiel about you know they kind of they feel the need to generate a story around it i was like look I know you're homeless and that's fine. You don't need to sort of make this story up. Yeah. And I was kind of irritated because I, th I think I went to the shops and didn't get what I wanted. Clip typical first world problem when it faced me. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, excuse me. Can you just get to the point? He was like, okay, I'm homeless. I, I, I need some money. I was like, I'm sorry, but I don't have any cash. Yeah. Goodbye. And I just left. And I was, I was like, that was probably not the right way to approach that situation. But I was in a different mood and I do feel bad about it. I just don't need to hear the spiel. I was like, I love the example of when we were in Brighton and this guy came up to us. Were you here? You were here, actually. It was like, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm an alcoholic. I want a beer. And we got him a beer from the shop. Yeah. And that was it. And I was just like, your frankness inspired me to give. You don't need to say... 
oh, I got mugged. That's why I'm wearing a different jacket and my arm was broken, even though it's in a fake cast and stuff. So you really have that little faith in people wanting to just give you money out of the goodness of their own heart. And that probably says more about non-homeless people than it does homeless people. They feel they need to come up with these tactics just Mm. to sort of like make people feel sorry for them. It's like for the fact that you don't have a house to live in, that is enough. And if I add cash, I don't carry cash on me. That's the thing. I don't just carry cash anymore. I've said since 2014, it would be great if they came up with an RFID system so you could just contact list them some fucking money and it goes to the shelter and then that means they can get into the shelter for the night. That would be preferable. Yeah. (sighs) Anyway, that's my interactions with the public. I mean, sometimes you get people coming up to you and just starting a conversation. That's usually before or after a gig and they're like-minded people. Or people trying to, can you sign up to this charity? I'm like absolutely not oh man i got duped by one of those before and i am quite rude to them because i'm in my own space i've got my headphones in i'm walking to a place if you see someone wearing headphones leave them alone because that's the universal sign for leave me the fuck alone these people are just trying to do a job i get that the last last one that i indulged he asked me do you know what i'm gonna ask you or talk about whatever so yeah you're gonna try and charity mug me oh (laughs) i did just say that because i know what's coming he had a good story and all this shit but i was like i just don't do that i don't sign up to charitable things on the street it's just something i don't do so i tell any of them that try and stop me and talk to me about it like this is just just, i don't do this you're wasting your time i'm not going to do it It doesn't matter how good it is it doesn't matter if it's like your 20 pounds a month will literally save the planet from exploding in 10 minutes i'm like it's not happening it's not how i'll do this i can understand in high street but when they come round to your house i'm like uh, no I don't like that. It's so uncomfortable because that is basically highway robbery. But on your house, it's just like, I'm going to guilt you at your own front door yeah. into doing this. I remember I was like, no surprise. I was going through some horrible anxiety period. Mm. These guys knocked at the door. I was waiting for a delivery. I'm and they're like, hey, do you want to sign up to win? No, thank you. And just slammed the door in their face and just walked away because I knew any more engagement would start to make me feel guilty and like I have mm. to engage with them. I was like, just cut it off. Yeah. And they were probably very shocked. But I was just like, look, just don't come around to people's houses that's their happy place if i want to donate to a charity which i have recently cancer research because my colleague gary is doing a 10k i think yeah. today and he has a heart condition and he's still doing he did joke <laughs> about it actually said if i die can you come along and just weekend and bernie's the, the rest of the way just drag me along just so i finish <laughs> but now his boys are turning up and helping him along so yeah. they could just drag him along the finish line It'd be just fine. put some roller skates on his feet and then wheel him down the road just grease him up and just put him on a giant slip and slide <laughs> a, 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 through the Sort of. Just a pair of handles, like a, just like a, on his back, that's a sort of harness, and just. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say, like, if we tie you to the back of like a tuk tuk or something, you you will still get road hauled, so not much of you will be left at the finish line. <laughs> I won't mind. <laughs> it would be a closed casket. It's fine. Uh, speaking of closed casket, we reached the summary of this city versus country. It's not really aversive. We'd just be talking. Which is best? None, both. I don't think any either are best. I think we've concluded that they both have their merits and they yes. both have their drawbacks. I mean, it's all about personal tastes personal experiences and person persons personal person i think we've established that i'm not a great fan of london life but i don't hate it by any means after Mm. all if i didn't live in london i wouldn't end up living in nottingham because it's an important stepping stone in my chapter of my life or whatever no regrets no regrets i'm I'm of similar mind that as much as there's certain qualities of london living that are appealing i it's I'm too old. Well, I'm not too old for it. It's just too not, old. It's it's just not for me. There's too many cons or too many mm. things that I'd lose out on that I'm used to that I have mm. here or where, or where where I'd be looking to live. So it just means go there occasionally, but I don't want to live there. Yeah, that's fair. That countryside life, although dreadfully boring at times, 
it is where I grew up. And so the countryside will always have that going for it. And also Kent is where we first met. Mm. So if I grew up in the city, I'd never have known that you existed. And that is a crying shame. None of this would have happened. You wouldn't be listening to us right now uh, or anything. How dare we deprive the world of this quality (laughs) content that so many people love listening to. This is our own special way of contributing to the heat death of the universe. Yes, indeed. But I feel that Nottingham is a nice balance between city and country life. As I said, we we have sprawling fields and parks just a couple of miles away from the city centre. People sprawled out on the floor. Yeah. Yeah, just just creating a huge net on the floor just like fleshy just, net the, the flesh net that actually makes me feel a little bit sick like that's just... <laughs> just gonna walk on a big fleshy net of people stitched together you know there's a lot to do in the city so it doesn't get dull really so alex my big question is when the fuck are you gonna move here man yeah logistically i've got a lot to do and i've annoyingly because work reasons i've not been able to plan a time that i can take time off to do it because I can't just sort of like and leave and do it in a weekend. It'd just be way too stressful. I want, I want like a couple of weeks off to be able to no, of course, do all that shit. Don't be a me and don't try to move house in a weekend to a different city, yeah. which incidentally, Alex helped me with. So if it weren't for him, again, I wouldn't be sitting in this hot, hot room, <laughs> slightly tipsy with a rapidly filling bladder. I would love it if you moved to Nottingham. I think you would love it if you moved closer to everybody but also, I know you're leaving people behind because yeah. we're not your only friends. It means we could do this podcast in real life at mm. some point, which would be very exciting. I, I need to somehow tie this off like a balloon. <laughs> a balloon knot. Squeaking out a little bit of air. So I think we squeaked out all of the air of that big talk, which has, true to estimations, lasted an hour. Oh, bloody hell, it has, hasn't it? <laughs> uh. I've got a fun edit ahead of me. Thank you for listening to our big chat. What do you think about city and country life if you've had experience with city and country life? If you're lucky enough to have only lived in one, <laughs> just tell us about your experiences, perhaps. Nobody engages with us, but this is a fun thing to entertain. That is it. And so thank you for listening to us spew endless word vomit about various things for an interminable amount of time. So if you want to experience more word chunder, always an adventure podcast can be found on Spotify and whatever your listening platform happens to be. For our sins, we are still on Twitter at triple A underscore Alex Sam. So that's that's always good. So if you want to wander the countryside of our mind brains, thank you for joining us on yet another episode of this. And we will see you next time for some more guff, guff, guff plex. So take care. Take care. Some sort of horrendous amplifies monstrosity with the generic thunder. Some sort of horrendous amplifies monstrosity with the generic thunder. Bloody hell, Alex, that was long, wasn't it?